0: It's Monday the 13th of January 2020. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. I'm joined this week by anna Margrét Bjornsson, a journalist and editor who now runs her own PR and events company, and by Anna Marseville-Clausen, a culture and news broadcaster here at Rúv. Welcome to you both.
1: Thank you. you.
0: This week, uh, indeed this month so far, um, has been remarkable, not perhaps for the severity of its storms, but for the sheer number of storms that seem to be hitting one after the other. With disruption from this weekend still being dealt with, the latest orange weather warning is already bearing down on us. In one of those storms, a Glacier tour company failed to cancel a tour and now has litigious, traumatised and frostbitten customers threatening court action. The European men's handball championships are underway, and Iceland will play Russia later on this afternoon. The team is on a high after beating the world and Olympic champions Denmark in their opening game on Saturday. As composer Hildur Gründnendottir prepares for a possible, and dare we say likely, um, Oscar nomination later on today, the subject of Iceland's artist's stipend is back on the agenda as this year's recipients were announced. Fresh eggs and meat products can now be legally imported from the EU for the first time, and consumer rights campaigners welcome the change, while farmers are cautious about the strength of disease prevention controls. The FME, Financial Regulator, and the Central Bank of Iceland are merging into one financial controls agency, and several layoffs have been announced already. And then there's the case of the adventurous herd of cows who broke out in the middle of the night to romp in the snow. So, uh, where would you like to begin?
2: Should we start with the storm?
0: <clears throat> yes. It's what what everyone seems to be talking about.
2: Now, I I recently I recently did a story about why we talk about the weather. And so and one of the one of the ideas behind why we talk about the weather, you know, this psych- psychological thing is what happens, is, is that we try to find a common point. Mm. And we all experience the weather, you know, mostly equally, you know, weather doesn't ask what class or race you are, right? But weather has also been this comforting subject to hold on to, you know, because we, we can all agree on it and we can all talk about it and it's non-political. But at this point... The weather is always going to be political, and it's kind of like this theory of how every argument that you get into online will eventually end up with somebody being called a Nazi or referencing the Holocaust in some way. Somehow, now all weather conversations are doomed to end up with uh, climate change.
0: <laughs> I wondered where you were going with that. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Right. <clears throat> hmm. So it's the, it's the, it's kind of yeah. It's it's this that same law. And I I feel like that's, I've been seeing a lot of that over the weekend in terms of, you know, because we're not, it's not
1: like we're unfamiliar with storms. No, we're not. And I was just saying to Alex earlier when I got in that uh, when I was a child, uh, there were storms all the time. And uh, so I I don't think this is unusual. So I'm sure that in this instance, there's not much climate change going on in Iceland for winter storms, at least, Um, although not, you know. I yeah. wouldn't think so. There it wasn't... was like
0: three years ago, wasn't it? It was very, very stormy. The stormiest ever three or four years ago. That was a ago. December,
1: yeah. Mm. I think three years ago. No, last uh, we've year was always quite had quiet. storms. Um mm. but right. maybe in the last ten years the winters have been more rainy than snowy. Possibly mm-hmm. this is what people are this is what people are talking about. But last night was terrible. Lots of people stranded at the airports. Right. Uh, road closures. So that was quite a, a newsworthy Evening,
0: and one man died as and well. And yes,
1: terrible accident as well, on that stretch of road between the airport and Reykjavik. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: and we've had a few accidents over the over the weekend and before the weekend, right? Mm-hmm. The bus crash with the um, with the medical students, mm-hmm. which kind of sounds like something out of a Grey's Anatomy, because the first people there are the nurses, mm-hmm. and you know, really thankfully, everybody, I believe, everybody. As is okay um, it could have gone so much worse and that also begs the question of you know when when to drive and Mm -hmm. when to go into the storm because I think Icelanders we tend to go ah we can always weather the storm no Mm -hmm. matter what and you know and for professional drivers you know they also have this you know Many of them have, you know, this kind of tough guy image that they have to play into that they can get into, you know, any storm Mm -hmm. and they can go through it. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I think this weekend may may have set off a new conversation
1: on exactly how far you should go in order to... <laughs> yes, absolutely. I even noticed with the big storm that came, the first big storm, this, uh, when was it? Uh, in Yeah, beginning of January, mm. when people say, well, this wasn't really bad, this is nothing, you know, we can go out in this. But um, obviously with what happened with that tour company who took tourists out onto the glacier in... Uh, in a storm warning right. a yellow storm warning uh, this obviously is a, a a topic that really should be discussed I think possibly um, there should just be a regulation that if there is a yellow warning you just do not go anywhere you don't mm-hmm. take tourists anywhere that's possibly a, a solution mm-hmm. to the problem um, something that's new also uh, in recent years is that um, some of the highland roads like between Kveraker and Reykjavik they just close it now Earlier, they just would leave it open and say, well, there's a storm coming and people would have to go at their own risk, kind of. But now I think people feel like, well, you know, they've closed it, so that's just, there we go, we're we're not going anywhere. That's Mm -hmm. kind of
0: taking the onus off of you as an individual driver. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't go. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, That's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Takes away the bravado element that you were talking about, Anna. Definitely.
2: Mm And I mean, because the same thing happens with, you know, we have so many tourists here who, you know, you know can't be expected to be as informed about conditions mm-hmm. and how to drive in these conditions. So we kind of have to take that power away from them. We have to say, OK, you know, maybe you think you know, but you really don't. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just in case we're going to set up this barrier that you, that you can't. Yes. And obviously with this tour company, mm-hmm. I, this is the second time where they have problems going into a storm Mm -hmm. where they shouldn't have Mm -hmm. they've been sued before and lost because of it and so obviously they they need to take a hard look at themselves i think and I, i believe they are of
1: course nobody does something like this with ill intent no, but I think they—they they, uh, what they said is that they thought they could um, get there in time before mm-hmm. the storm and uh, get down from the glacier before it hit. But who takes that kind of, who makes that kind of decision? I don't know. But I really, my hearts were with these uh, people on the gl- glacier because they were... There were kids there mm-hmm. and, you know, there was that mother on who was interviewed and she had two children and they thought they were going to die there. I can imagine how I would have felt there with my kids and just stuck there for 15 hours, Incredibly frozen almost to death. I mean, it's yeah. absolutely terrible. Incredibly
2: traumatic mm-hmm. and something they're bound to remember for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In dramatic terms, definitely not the image that we wanna yeah. <laughs> that we wanna project as a country. You know, <laughs> come here at your own risk because our tour guides are, <laughs> uh, you know, overly adventurous.
1: Exactly. So that's why I wonder whether these regulations should be more, um, you know, concise. That just basically, if there's a warning, yellow, orange, red, just that's it. Just don't go anywhere. Right. I
0: guess talking for playing devil's advocate for the other side for a second mm-hmm. um, the particular company in question of course they put their hands up and said sorry but they've also said we're a, we're quite a big company and we do lots of tours mm-hmm. every single day and you know maybe these maybe these things will always happen to a certain extent yes sure yeah and then the other thing um oh no I've forgotten immediately what I was going to say
2: Monday <laughs> um
0: <clears throat> well, yeah.
2: well, I think that does happen, right? When companies get bigger, there's, you know, uh, there's less oversight, maybe on like the particular tours. And but, but that's maybe why there need to be regulations. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, because, you know, there's a, you, you can't always be sure how experienced the people are who are doing them.
1: That's for sure. I mean, as as the tourist industry grows, maybe there are more inexperienced people being brought in just because they need the staff. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: I remember what it was now. Um, so many of the tourists, especially in the winter, mm-hmm. for some reason, more in the winter than the summer, they're only here for three or four days, right? Mm-hmm. And they, all they, they want to do is take these tours. Yes, and, and it would be storms, so
1: disappointing if they couldn't go. And yeah.
0: I mean, I'm not saying anyone should be put in danger, no. but that is a pressure, isn't it?
1: Right that's and, and I think that's why
2: maybe we need regulations like Anamarket is talking about, because you know, because it's so easy as a you know as a human being to want to do what your customers want you to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so easy to go, oh, but maybe I can get them up. You know, maybe yeah. I can do it. But if there's a law that says you're not allowed, then that kind of takes the weight off you. Yes, That allows you to say no without it being your fault. Just like it. the road closures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Without it being that, you know, that, yeah. that you're weak or, you know, somehow a bad company. hmm
0: now, this idea isn't something I've heard of before. Is it being talked about in, in government, do you know? In I Tory
1: actually sport? have no idea. I was just talking about this at home with my boyfriend on the weekend. Right. Just like, why isn't there just a regulation like this? So, uh, But mm-hmm. I'm sure somebody's talking about it, yeah. yeah.
2: Right. I think well. Icelanders, we really love, uh, we enjoy our freedom mm-hmm. in terms of nature, and we have for a long time. And then when the tourist surge came so quickly... Um, you know, we didn't respond to it with more regulations. We kind of went along,
1: yeah.
2: you know, as we always had. And what we have been seeing for all this time, and we're seeing it now and we've seen it before, mm-hmm. is that maybe, you know, more people equals the need for more regulations. Mm-hmm. And But it's hard, you know, to kind of it's hard to get more regulations in because Icelanders who are the voters you know we, we do value our freedom
1: Absolutely and it's it's the same thing you know when you travel around Iceland now as an Icelander you know we're not the, experiencing that freedom anymore we can't camp everywhere like mm-hmm. we used to we can't uh, park everywhere because there are just simply too many people and we have to protect these areas uh, the, the, you know the main tourist sites but yes I think it's probably Really a part of the whole, mm. the whole, you know, way of getting used to more tourists coming into the country right. and having to deal with that.
0: So, Katrin, biatni see you there if you're listening. That's something to think about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, OK, should we move on to uh, a different topic? Mm-hmm. Um, your choice? Handball? <laughs> yes,
2: Handball is such a funny topic to talk about in English because, you know, when I lived in America, nobody knew what it was.
1: And, you know, <laughs> Same here in England. You're like, what's that, netball? Mm. Yeah. In,
2: uh, I I worked in a in a prison. That that was the only place, in San Quentin Prison, that was the only place where they were like, yeah, we know handball. And I was like, oh, wow, really? And it turned out that their version of handball is throwing a ball against the wall and then you slam it back with your hand. And I don't even know if it's like squash. Yeah. It's like the volleyball version of squash. Hence, I don't think they have rackets in prison Mm. and i don't know if they play that on the streets or if just in prison but i had a very hard time (laughs) explaining what handball was Mm -hmm. but i always feel this surge of national pride whenever um yeah i I, whenever i see our team playing well in handball and i feel it a little bit stronger than football Mm. and i think it's because i grew up with the soccer team not being particularly good mm-hmm. but the handball be being, being very strong and they haven't you know they haven't been you know that strong for a little bit so this so this game against the Danes where they won by a single goal that was very satisfying
0: and it was an exciting match it as well it was a
2: really exciting match yeah and yeah and they you know and and you never you didn't really have a point where you knew that team is stronger or that team is stronger it was you know all in those last few minutes and and that's always fun to watch mm. and uh yeah and very exciting for coach Schmidtur as well who uh who just came back from coaching Denmark and so had like had a little little victory there and uh yeah i i I just i love i love that handball is a thing again we've been so focused on soccer for such a long time and and i love handball i think it's you know every handball game is gonna be fun it's gonna be (laughs) exciting while a lot of soccer matches are gonna be you know a lot of back and forth around the middle field and maybe won't amount to anything. Mm. Yeah. But that's
1: personal (laughs) Well I mean I'm probably one of the very few people who just I think handball is even more painfully boring to watch than football. Really? So I just don't watch it. But I'm very, very happy that they're doing well. I know that there is a match on today, but I absolutely I just do not follow any of these matches. But um, (laughs) congratulations (laughs) to Iceland for their win.
0: um, For our native English speakers, um, it's a big deal, Hanball. It is a thing. It's Mm -hmm. real. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's a big deal. Like uh, in Germany, Denmark, all of Scandinavia, Mm -hmm. Central and Southern America, Mm -hmm. the Far East, everyone's paying it. And it's just the English-speaking countries that don't, it seems.
1: (laughs) So, but for, for, yeah, how is the match going to go today, you think?
0: You'd have to say they'll win, wouldn't you?
1: Of course we'll <laughs> win.
2: Of course we're on a high, you know, and against, and you know, and we won against the strongest, strongest team, Olympic champions.
0: The risk, of course, being a false sense of security. The, that is true.
2: <laughs> I, I don't think the Icelandic team will have a false sense of security, though. I think, you know, I think we'll come in with a fighting spirit. That's you know and i think that's a part of what it is being the little guy and even if we kind of aren't the little guy in handball we have been historically very strong you know we still kind of uh, kind of have that attitude of you know we've never won you know even even if it's an easy match anything can happen we've never won before the match and you know mm-hmm. and you have to go into it again with just as much energy as they did against the Danes and so yeah so i'm 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 hoping we'll do well against against russia
0: and they come in russia come into it having lost the first match didn't they against hungary right i believe
2: i'm not sure i'm pretty I sure I maybe they, maybe watch. they won it no i maybe think they lost they it, it i think they lost it i'd yeah. say i'd say in general it was Hungary's. a very close
0: match again and they lost it at the very end right so they'll be um enthusiastic for a win should we put it like yes. that and they're a good middle ranking team as well they're not the strongest in the world but they're good right so yeah wait and see it'll be fun it's on at 5.15 I think this afternoon obviously live <clears throat> on Rove. yeah what next artists
1: maybe artists yes Hiltur Guðunadóttir oh, uh, champion of the music world this week right <laughs> this year this <laughs> year <laughs> yeah. yes this year
2: Right. So if we get excited about sports and our sports teams doing well, you mm-hmm. know, we should really be losing our, I'm not going to say the word, for Hiltu mind. Minds. Minds. Thank you. <laughs> I was thinking something else. Because Hiltu is just, I think she's our best chance at an Oscar ever. And I say our, because that's how we talk, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Know? Yes, uh, for her school, for the joker and of course she did the score for Chernobyl, and she's following in the in the great footsteps of Jon Johann Johansson, of mm-hmm. course but and Hildur is the first female uh, artist to have been have received a golden globe for best musical score yeah mm-hmm. first solo composer yes. mm-hmm. yeah which is wonderful yeah and, and then she... we got the
0: grammys and the emmys and the right everything. so mm-hmm.
2: she she received uh, a critics choice award yesterday last night And the Critics' Choice Awards went kind of along the lines of the Golden Globes in most categories. And uh, then we have here at, at local Icelandic time, it's 18 minutes past one. Today, they're announcing who will be nominated for an Oscar. And I mean, I think we can be almost entirely certain that she will be on that list. Now, if she'll win, that's another story.
1: Um, fairly likely. I think so. And I think anyone has watched that film. I mean, that score is just uh, absolutely right. amazing. It, it just is. brings so much to the actual story. Mm. Um, but yes, so this comes in the wake. I mean, Hildur Guðnadóttir is one of the people who received a um, a fee from the government and artists. What would you call it, Alex? Um, I've
0: called it an artist stipend here, but I've heard mm-hmm. it called the artist's pension, the artist's wage. I mean, it's
1: yes. So, so every year, um, artists can apply to the government for a, a small grant. It really isn't a very big, a large amount of money, and uh, these then they are selected by a, a, a governmental body uh, um, to receive. You know every year there's like a huge debate about whether artists should receive money at all. and I think it's kind of ironic that uh, of course Hilter mm-hmm. received such a a fee mm. from the government. Uh, it's about four hundred thousand kronus <clears throat> per month, isn't it? Yeah after taxes, that's really that's what maybe covers one rent or something right yeah no, it's not a very high fee at
2: all. No. And, of course, most people get a few months mm-hmm. and not an entire year on this so But they can't
1: work at the same time. Exactly. So. Mm-hmm.
2: But I haven't... I feel like this year I haven't seen as much pushback against it as I have in previous years.
1: I've noticed a lot on social media. Oh, and really? I, yes. Every year. And it's always so boring. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, it's the same. It's mm-hmm. the same thing
2: mm-hmm. all of the time.
0: It's the idea, I think, that they're getting something for nothing that art is a hobby and they shouldn't be paid for it but Mm -hmm. that isn't true it's a business and well in some respects it's a business and it certainly brings money in I don't think it's all it's not all give 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 from the government they get tax back on it
1: no exactly right
2: I think it's a version of kind of you know doing the same thing that we do with Healthcare and even with law enforcement and so on, we Mm -hmm. decide that this is something that we want as a country Mm -hmm. to have. You know, we want to pay for it as a whole, and you know, and rather than institutionalizing art and making an institution out of it where we pay people to you know work Mm -hmm. certain hours or something, Mm -hmm. we do it this way where we have a committee that you know Mm -hmm. selects a few people who get to you know then produce material and ideas and and i think you know this is this is just another version of of that of, yes absolutely of deciding as a as a country what you know what we need in order to be uh yeah in order to be a, a nation among nations
1: yes and i think hildur is actually a, a, an example of what i really this this kind of icelandic creativity and artistic talent which was kind of um Maybe it's been a while. Icelandic music has, I think recently, it's just my feeling, it's becoming a bit commercialised. That we're really trying to copy bands from abroad, whereas the bands that got Iceland on the map, the musical map were like, you know, of of course Björsk and Sigurås and Mum and these kind of very um, original uh, artists. And I think Hiltur is really, she's kind of part of that generation of people. Mm. You know, she was involved with Mum and with... uh, um well yeah these these kind of artistic groups of people and i think um i think this is very exciting that she really you know is, has gone this far and i think uh, kind of portrays this side of icelandic creativity which is mm-hmm. kind of deeply original and very kind of Moody and mystical, and what you know, drawing inspiration from all these kind of uh, crazy landscapes and weather and, and so on. That's kind of how I experience it, anyway.
2: Mm-hmm. And the wonderful thing is, you know, seeing an Icelandic woman mm-hmm. who is, you know, getting this far in her con- career internationally with this type of music that yes. will, no doubt, inspire countless young Icelanders, young Icelandic women mm-hmm. and and men mm-hmm. to produce more of that kind of music. Because we have been seeing kind of um you know, a very a a very rap oriented Mm -hmm. music production here in Iceland in the last few years. It's so it's hip hop and there's R and B and and very produced pop music. Very heavily Mm -hmm. produced. And Mm -hmm. I do think that we are gonna see a step back from this very heavily Produced uh, type of music production mm-hmm. in the in the coming years, and I think in in part you know we can look to people like Hilter mm-hmm. uh, you know, with this. But but the thing with if Hilter's gonna win, mm-hmm. I really I really want her to win the Oscars. Yes. I would love <laughs> for her to win the Oscars, and it's very likely, except for all the politics involved, mm-hmm. and because there is there are these cousins there and I can't remember their names, but one of them wrote the music to Merit Story and the other to, uh, wrote the score to 1917. And I think uh, the guy who wrote the score to 1917, he is apparently the most likely contender against Hilter, mm-hmm. That's because he's been nominated 14 times. Oh, yeah, so. And so ne- he never won. And... The politics of Hollywood when it comes to the Oscars is often that people feel like, oh, but he he deserves it because he's been nominated so many times. Mm-hmm. So now he should kind of get that win. And he's a man. And, you know, and actually, yes, because, you know, that's the other thing, because I think people are more inclined to give a man something that they feel like he deserves, because he's been nominated so many times. When the other one is a young, you know, when the person who maybe had the better score mm-hmm. is a young woman, because mm-hmm. it's so easy to think, you know, with and and people do this. We think with women, oh, your time will come, you know, you you'll have, you know, what what you deserve at some point. It just doesn't have to happen right now. Mm-hmm. And we see this happen in different different ways in society and seeing how Hollywood works Mm -hmm. definitely could go in that direction. And now with her success too, people are also inclined to, you know, make a different choice just because, just to go against the grain. And the Golden Globes, they've historically been a decent kind of marker of what's going to happen at the Oscars. I think, you know, she has, the odds are in her favor. Mm -hmm. But it, it, they still don't always go the same way. Mm. I think I think it's about 40, 40 60, mm. something There's like that.
0: There's such a great amount of kudos in just getting the nomination. Right? Yes, so, absolutely. I, no, that's way, huge. Mm, it and is. it
2: should be said, we have two other women on the... Icelandic women oh. on the shortlist for the Oscars. Now, uh, and I believe they both have a real chance at being nominated. That's Frida Svala, who did The Hair in Little Women. And uh, Hepa Thorisdotter, who did makeup for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, mm-hmm. and actually appears in the film, um, and Hepa was nominated. Uh, for the Critics' Choice Award. But as she has said herself, she doesn't believe that she will get any of the awards this year because the makeup in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was very natural. Mm-hmm. And people for the make- for makeup, people favor, voters tend to favor something a little bit more dramatic, as was the case Monsters with... Monsters and... <laughs> right. So in Bombshell, they use a mm-hmm. lot of prosthetics oh, yeah. on... Uh, on the- yeah, I can't remember who's the lead actress, but they use a lot of prosthetics on her face. And so, and that's so impressive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see it, you see it, you know it. So, you know, even if you don't know the intricacies of makeup, you can see that that's been done pretty well. So mm-hmm. Herpa probably won't be our first Oscar winner, but hopefully uh, her and uh, Frida Svalla will also get nominated. That would be very exciting to have three Icelandic women nominated at the same time. Absolutely. Mm
0: -hmm. Really, really very good luck to them. Um, We've just got a couple of minutes left. Maybe Mm -hmm. we can talk briefly about eggs and meat.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, how eggs and meat can be legally imported from the EU.
0: Um... I noticed yesterday in Bonus that there was steaks uh, that were packaged exactly the same as all the normal steaks, with exactly the same writing, Mm -hmm. even with the little Iceland origin sticker th- label thing but they had irish flags stuck on the front stickers mm-hmm. of irish flags
1: exciting <laughs> it
2: wow.
1: was very
0: weird
2: what what did that mean
0: i assumed it meant possibly i don't know but
2: must mean that I from it meant they were from
0: ireland and they just haven't had the chance to update the packaging yet wow mm-hmm. i don't know what it meant
2: no i i mean i think i think that it's Probably a very good thing for the consumer in you know in in one way that they can you know that we have that the meat industry in Iceland has some competition, finally, you know, in terms of pricing, and at the same time, it's just such a weird it's just it's such a weird situation to be importing meat, you know, like extra carbon footprints exactly. right yes. on there. um and just like Anna Margaret was saying earlier mm. in the middle of. Uh, is it Veganuary? Is that what we call it? Vegan January? Mm. Yes, Vegan January. Is it
1: Veganuary? Do you have that in other countries? Veganuary, yeah. Well, I mean, (laughs) I I do eat meat. I've been trying to, you know, cut back on meat, definitely. And I think most people should cut back on meat and dairy. I'm not saying that people should... uh, Well, obviously that's, you know, whether you're vegan or not. But I, I think that's the general kind of those are the guidelines brought to us to you know reduce um well to to help with climate change so i think uh, obviously this is a strange discussion to be importing egg and eggs and meat into the country but you know as a as a mum i obviously uh, the price of things in at the supermarket is absolutely extortionate i mean it's so expensive so obviously anything that will lower a price for um uh, an average family mm-hmm. in Iceland is probably a good thing so yes it's kind of a uh, torn on this subject really and right.
0: climate change issues the the emissions from from meat production it's it's only partly transport mm-hmm. yeah and it, I don't know I don't know the figures or anything but it could be that a bigger farm overseas is making less carbon dioxide I don't know but right mm-hmm. who knows But Um, the
2: meat industry in Iceland is heavily subsidized. mm. And, you know, kind of what I'd like to see in the news is that that would be changing and we'd see more, you know, that the, you know, growing vegetables would be more subsidized and, you know, that we'd see more greenhouses or more, you know. Yes, absolutely.
1: Iceland could be such a leading, you know, force in that
0: yeah. They make they make great produce already. Yeah, they do. It's very popular. Mm-hmm. There's
2: wonderful produce here, and that there could be more of it, and there could be more varieties. Mm-hmm. But and it's expensive, definitely. Mm.
0: I always buy it though. It's yes. Just yep. Yeah. I to too. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I, I said we only had a couple of minutes and mm-hmm. I meant it. Um, time flies on this programme, uh, no exception this week. Uh, but The Week in Iceland will be back next Monday, the 20th of January on ruf.is forward slash English. Rúv Ruf English on Facebook through the Rúv app and your favourite podcast platform. Enormous thanks to my guests this week, Anna-Margret Bjornsson and Anna-Marcivil Clausen and to Lydia Gretestottir for running the studio. We end the show with a bit of Icelandica, as always. And this week it's a nod to Bobby Mortens, Iceland's answer to Bruce Springsteen, Bob Dylan, and Brian Adams all in one. Is that fair to say?
2: <laughs> sure.
0: <laughs> and a recipient of one of this year's Rúv Cultural Recognition Awards this past Friday. This is his 1986 classic, Romeo o Julia. Bye for now. <laughs>
3: Ech duppan rås mater lever bo i undan oddin samvis kan svei Etrude au drøm man mig krev svart drømmarnir tilbaut de zeit gældu vi stålled kalt livsrækva Dófin þau fyldu með Sprautan varð lífið með henni gátt við breykt Því sem afti eftir að skemmt Þið býr í sinu lágum ófu sinum er Oftan þrætt upp að frá Ekkert kann við því það var ekkert er Ef er var að gátt stå länge i frihet och ro i skuggan av satalia vidir hästar drövar vagnen med ro men jag vill júlía satulia dröm du av drömar mig kresva drömatten till uh Try not to build the